0: Welcome to the Breaking Chains podcast, where we are breaking free from the chains of our past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time we ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt in to a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in timeless principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you've been creating deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force and true prosperity in all arenas, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high performance coach and faith-based mentor. And together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Breaking Chains podcast. It is Christine Jewel, and today I'm coming to you to continue story time. It's story time with Christine Jewel and Story Time in this Breaking Chains series. If you haven't caught the last couple episodes, I definitely encourage you to go back and tune in. I'm doing a six part series on some of the stories, raw, real stories of my life. That really brought me to this intersection of doing the work that I do, of having this passion and this fire in my belly to restore broken homes, starting with broken hearts, broken identity, starting with our own heart, our own identity, our own relationship with ourself, our relationship with God in our relationship with the opposite sex, masculine or feminine, really coming back and putting things into right order. Because if you go back and you listen to the stories, when we do not have these core relationships, these foundational relationships in the right order, everything else starts to crumble. So in the first series, I talked about the warrior is born. I talked about the family of origin and why it's so Essential that we take a look and see where did this program come from? Where did this identities operating systems that I'm running on a daily basis, better yet, that are running me, running my business, running my relationships, where are they coming from? And do they still resonate? Are they adding life? Are they multiplying life? Or are they just repeating old wounds, creating more friction, more strife, more of what I don't want in my life? If you guys didn't listen to that, definitely please go back. That was a super powerful episode. Last week, I spoke about distorted love, right? Where did that come from? Our our idea of what love is, what love looks like, what healthy relationships are. Again, we all have our own lens. We all have our version of that. Most of it is distorted um, based on what we saw, right? What we, we observed as a child, it's caught, right? We, we receive it in our nervous system. We receive it and it becomes an imprint and then we start repeating it with different outfits as we grow up. And so, and not until we get to the place that we're really ready to heal, to reconcile, to restore those relationships, the relationship with love, capital L, what love actually is, what it feels like, what it looks like. It's not a feeling. It's a state of being. It's an entity. It's God himself manifest is love when we understand what real love is, we can start to recognize what false love looks like, right? We can start to recognize what trauma bonding and wounding looks like. So again, if you haven't gone back, I just wanted to do a little recap. You got to go back, especially if you guys are struggling in your marriages right now, in your relationships, not only With the person that you think, you know, that you love, that's called your spouse or your partner, but all relationships, your relationships with your children, your relationships with your team, because how we do relationships is how we do relationships. And I'm going to be talking a lot more about relationships because it is the foundation of everything else. Almost all of our problems are relationship problems. Relationships with ourselves, relationships with the opposite sex, relationships with time, relationships with money, relationships with self-care, relationships with self-worth. All of it comes down to our relationship, the dynamic that we have with these things. So definitely go back and listen to those last two episodes. Okay, today I want to talk about... You know, just the work program, the program that we have. So when I say program, I'm talking about mental program, emotional program, right? So it's our psychology, our emotional program, our familiar emotional home that's running, the system that we're operating by, kind of the blueprint that we're running inside of our businesses, Specifically, I want to talk to those of you who are running your own companies, you're running teams, you're, you know, you're leading in some organizations. How are you doing in the world of business, of, you know, gaining profitability according to the world standards of growth? So many of us are addicted to grow, 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 bigger, bigger, bigger. We're entrenched in these world systems. So I want to share my own story of my journey sort of in that out of it and to where I am today where I'm really realigning everything. I wouldn't say I'm totally there yet. We're we're definitely in the process of realigning everything inside of our business to kingdom blueprints instead of the world's blueprints, which definitely keep you enslaved, keep you exhausted, keep you in the grind, keep you disconnected from your teams, and really just siphoning way too much life force out of you, um, leaving you waking up exhausted, anxious, and going to bed restless with sleepless nights. So um, those of you who w- listened to a couple episodes ago, I talked about how when I, I moved out of the house at 17, right? So at 17, I was on my own and I remember what it felt like to just break free from my family's home and all the drama and all the chaos that was going on there and to have my own place. So I got my own place. I got myself a brand new car or a shiny red car, brand new Toyota Celica right off the lot, right? biggest car payment I think between the car payment and my auto insurance at that time which I don't want to age myself it was over 20 years ago probably oh gosh it was way over 20 years ago it was 20 years ago um, it was about $700 a month so if you can imagine like $700 a month today like that's a hefty car payment and in insurance you know that's decent but 20 years ago being 18 years old, biting off way more than I could chew because I was hell-bent that I was not going to go back uh, and I was going to forge my future and I was going to have what I wanted and I was going to make it happen. And I did, right? So picking up from where I left off in that family of origin story, I started... Early making money and the ability to make money. I want to say this to all of you. Some of you maybe have a d- different relationship with money, but making money, bringing money into my life has always been easy. I was great at sales. I got my first sales job selling advertising. You guys, my first job, because my degree was in advertising and communications in, at U- uh, UCF, University of Central Florida. My first internship, which turned into a sales job, was selling advertising in bars And in bathroom stalls, you know, on the inside of the bathroom stalls, when they shut the door, they used to have these like posters and stuff. So that is not a very glorious sales job. Okay. But I crushed it. And what this entailed was going to restaurants. It was a lot of hospitality. I was working in Orlando. I was working at Disney also part, you know, part time. And I was doing sales part time. And so this entailed going into bars, restaurants, nightclubs, retail facilities, tourist facilities, and meeting with GMs, general managers, whatever. If you can just visualize for a minute. I'm like, by this point, I'm like 18 to 20, somewhere around that age range when I'm doing this work. You can just imagine, right? Like this beautiful young girl walks in and she's. The the hospitality industry is just like ick, yeah, right? And but but I knew how to use my charm. I knew how to use my charisma. I knew how to connect and meet people where they were. I had a lot of chameleon energy too, because I'd been moving around from different countries and having to always adapt. So I was very resilient and adjusting to new cultures, new people. And this is actually one of my gifts is being able to connect to people, meet people wherever they are, because I've been dropped into a lot of different environments. I knew how to use my charisma, my energy to connect with people, to be magnetizing people. And it's great to have those gifts in sales, right? As long as you're using them in the right way. But these are just some gifts that I've always been in my life. So from the beginning, making money, closing sales, making deals, great connections, it was easy. I started waiting tables at Disney. Um, That was my other job. I had those two jobs. And I got to tell you, working for Disney, being in sales, waiting tables, that really was a great setup in terms of like learning how to make money, learning how to upsell, learning how to connect with people, learning how to meet people. So at at about 18 to 20, those couple years of my life, 18 to 21, I was raking in the cash. Okay. And I was fully supporting myself by this point. You guys know, the story was like, I'm a full on warrior. If it's going to be, it's up to me. I'm going to make things happen. And so I was making like, if I didn't make 200, 250 a night cash, I was pissed. I was like, this sucks. Right. And so just imagine like you're, you're bringing in all this cash. You're used to bringing all this money, but it would come in one door and go right out the back door because I didn't have a healthy relationship with holding money, with multiplying money, with stewarding money, with what it looks like to actually use and invest. Like, Hey, I did not receive any education around that. So those of you right now that maybe have had like, easy time making money, but then holding money, multiplying money, releasing money generously, not because you're spending it, right? Where you have this like dysfunctional relationship with money. Who taught you how to be a steward of money? My observation was just like, we had this lavish lifestyle. We did what we wanted when we wanted. When my father lost his job, there was a pile of debt that came with that. You heard the story, our home getting foreclosed, us losing everything. So that was the model That I had. So I made a lot of money. I spent a lot of money. I made more money. I was like, well, I'll just make more money. So obviously today I have a very different blueprint, but it took me a couple decades to get to where I am today. And this is again why I'm so passionate about, about us instilling the wisdom into the generations that are coming after us, our children and our teams and everything else. Because man, we can start to multiply wealth and get it into the hands of good people that will do good things with it. We can create such exponential change in the world. But back to the story. I was 20, 21, I'm waiting tables, I'm doing sales. I'm like rolling and going, going, going. And I know you guys have heard this story about my relationship. But once I got married, when I was 21, I got married. And at that time I had shifted into career and um uh, got married. My husband and I at the time, you know, he had he was a big visionary. He had a big deal going on with Shell Oil and Universal Studios and a lot, there was a lot of facade going on, but he was a visionary and he was a dreamer, and I was right there with him. So we were kind of go getters, and you know, pursuing the vision. We kept, you know, trying to launch new businesses one after the other, after the other. Finally, one stuck right called Goal Line, and it was a CRM company. Uh, customer relationship management, CRM software in the automotive industry. By this time I had my first child and I was like selling and pregnant. You know, I'm on the phone, I'm selling and pregnant, barefoot and pregnant on the phone, driving up to Canada the week of 9-11 to go to a trade show. And we were in the full push and grind, right? To grow, 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 grow the vision. And there's a lot of excitement, right? When you're young, you got big dreams, you want to chase things. There's a lot of things that I wasn't privy to that were happening on the backside with his life, but I'm talking about me right now. So we, we did that for a season and then I dropped in. I was a, I was a stay-at-home mom for, for a season as well. Was I having my kids? I was, you know, had my first child at 23, 25, 27. After I got divorced, you guys heard this story. I know I'm fast tracking really quickly. We had started this goal line solutions. It was really poorly managed. Okay. Really good at vision, really good at selling ideas, really good at bringing cash in, really bad at managing cash, really bad at managing people, really bad at relationship with money, relationship with stewardship, relationship with ego, wanting to grow bigger. So by the time we were at the place where we almost got divorced, you know, we had 40 people overseas at an office in Sri Lanka. We had a full uh, office in Canada you know the highest tech we were just pouring money money was coming in the door and it was pouring out the back on the outside the facade is well look at them they live in them this million dollar house they have everything together right they they got all these people they got the cars they got the landscaping they're traveling all the time and I'm telling you it was just like always a grind cash in no cash and I want to say this because I work with a lot of people like this I Speak to a lot of people like this that from the outside, you're got you you making money, but then you're wondering, it's like evaporating. The minute it comes into your hands, it's already all spent and there's never anything left to give. There's never anything left to really bless anyone else because you're so busy chasing growth, addicted to growth, chasing the next shiny thing, the bigger office, more staff, more um, position in the marketplace, you know, this idea, look at us, we're going fast, we got the things going. And you know, I just remember that season of my life that we were traveling and pretending and you guys can go back. I've already shared a lot of this in the previous podcast. But it's such a shame when you realize that the driver, the driving force behind all of that was ego, right? A lot of ego, and a lot of faulty relationship with money, misunderstanding of what stewardship is, and no concept of what really we were fighting for. It was more stuff, bigger, 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 instead of fighting for connection and unity in our marriage and a healthy home environment, right? like We were totally off the mark. When I got divorced, when I was 30, 31, by the time I got divorced, you guys heard the story, I opened the studio. And that was a season of my life that was a great, humbling season. Because I went from perception of having everything, which was still an illusion because we didn't really own anything. We were the borrower and not the lender. We were piled under piles and mountains of debt. So from the outside, it looked cute. It looked nice. It looked attractive, but it was all fake. Okay. We did not have real wealth. We did not have liquid anything. And so the the season of my divorce was really humbling. And I want to say that when I when I decided to start business again at at 31, 32 when I opened my studio, you guys heard the story about me selling the wedding ring. I mean, I started from nothing, right? And I had this support that came around me. I had somebody that came and literally gave me money for a car, my mom who was literally just had next to nothing. She barely had two pennies to rub together. She's like the woman in the Bible where, you know, she gives her last two coins. She was the one who gave me a thousand dollars on her credit card so that I could buy gym mats and some dumbbells to open my studio. I sold my wedding ring to pay for first and last month's rent. It was such a humbling experience to go from this fake world of shiny objects and lavish lifestyle to the perception of having everyone around me, like me, basically going from there to living in a my girlfriend's basement to them being able to get reestablished on my feet again and needing the support and the help of people around me. And I'm going to say that God just swept in supernaturally, right? Like the the right people were around me at the right time. There was people that just gifted me with things, doors that opened. My heart was really humbled in that season. I want to make sure you get this. My heart was really humbled in that season. And that was the season when I was pressing in I would say to God, and when I when I rolled the dice and I said, okay, I'm going to open this studio, keep in mind now, I had just been divorced. I was terrified because I was about to go through, I was going through this really yucky separation, really yucky divorce. I didn't have a lot of money. So this is where, you know, God really meets us. When we don't have all of the things of our own to lean on, we have to rely on him. We have to rely on him. We have to rely on others. We become dependent on him in a whole other level. We are massively humbled. And so that season of humbling, when I started that studio, I started that seed from a seed of inspiration that he had planted inside of me. I started it with a deep longing and desire. i had this vision to have my studio. It was passionate of mine. I was training and doing, you know, biking, swimming, running, coaching, and triathlon, but it felt like such a joy that I didn't feel right to be making money off of it. Like nothing about that made sense, but it was a perfect intersection of divine inspiration, truly talent, passion, and faith. And when I rolled the dice and I opened that studio, you guys heard the story that we started with nothing and we literally opened that box, that's what they're called, right? Gyms are called boxes, with yoga mats and dumbbells. And I did bodyweight training, running uh clinics. And it wasn't until a few months later that we got our first set of spin bikes. And it slowly, it was like guerrilla style from the roundup. But I want to tell you this, every day was like a step of faith. Every day was like, I was so grateful to be in the space. I was doing what I loved with every person that walked in the door. I was so excited to connect to them, to get to know them. I was like in my element, right? I just felt so Grateful, so blessed. I was doing what I loved and I was making enough money to support my family at this time. The first year, I think we made 120,000. The next year it was 240, then it was 360. And it just kind of kept growing like that. And every year was profitable until a certain point. Here's what happened. So I want you to pay attention. I started that business from a place of radical humility, really dependent on God a leap of faith, the perfect intersection of passion and talent and divine favor and divine opportunity. And with the little that I had in my hand, I just made a go of it. With the little I had, and I had such deep gratitude, such deep appreciation. I had appreciation for just the opportunity. I had appreciation for every client that I signed up. I was like doing the dance every single time somebody signed up. Because not only was it about their monthly fee, but it was like, I get to literally help these people? Like, what? This is so awesome that I get to do what I love, and I get to make money at it, and, 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 right? And so my confidence just started building, and it felt so amazing to be able to provide for my kids in a time where there was a lot of financial hardship, and the divorce was really messy, and I couldn't depend on my ex-husband to come through. I want to share that with you, because that season lasted about... Three years, maybe three years, uh, where I was truly humble, grateful, excited, connected to the people. I would say that I was in the servant leader capacity. People loved working for me. I started having the most awesome trainers that I started coaching and working with. And I was really, really grateful. When did it turn sideways? When did it go sideways? What happened was I realized at a certain point that I did need more support. Right. The business was growing. Uh, team was growing. And I knew that I needed to invest in some leadership, some organization. Right. I hadn't really built teams and stuff like that. My thing was always sales and connecting with people. So I was great at that. I was great at magnetizing sales and clients. I was great at coaching and training. That's my jam. But building team, building back building processes, not my jam. Now, i I'm not knocking getting support. I think it's so important that we choose wise counsel and get the right people around us. But I want to show you how so subtle it is that when we step in and we lose focus and we stop focusing on the right thing, how quickly the whole thing can turn. I ended up hiring my one of my first coaches, and it was a coaching and marketing company, a business coaching and marketing company that specifically worked with the fitness, health and fitness industry. In the beginning, it was great, really helped me get organized, got my systems in place, multiplied revenue, felt amazing, right? I felt like where it was a little bit chaotic just because I didn't have the leadership skills I needed to cultivate. I started to feel like there was order, there was structure. We started putting processes in place, but here's what happened. They had a live event and I went to this live event and I traveled and it was awesome, felt amazing to travel. And I remember going to the live event and there was two registration tables, The first table was like the burgundy shirts, general admission. The right table, the other table was the special room. They had the black shirts that said VIP on them. And they had, you know, a different entry fee. They got special seating. They got special everything. Look, I have VIP coaching. So I just want to be totally transparent here. But I remember walking in that room that day. And I was thinking, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't want to be general admission. I want to be VIP. In fact, they did a presentation that day, and they showed how we could work to become a platinum member. And the platinum members got to go on these really exclusive trips, ski trips. Right now, I'm recording this in Colorado. Again, I came back out here. So you guys know, it's like tapping all my buttons, right? I love to ski. I want to be part of the group. I want to prove that I can get into this a higher tier coaching program. And there was criteria that you needed to be able to hit in order to get into that. So, you know, it hit all of my buttons. I loved a challenge. I was a fighter at heart. I was a warrior. I'm like, bring it on. I loved competition. I loved the challenge. I, it gave me something to shoot for. And I want to say none of those things are wrong. Okay. Competition can be really healthy. It could spur us on. Iron sharpens iron. But the thing is, what is the driver behind it? The driver behind it unconsciously at the time was that I wanted to prove to myself and I wanted to prove to others that I was worthy of being in that room, that I was someone who was capable and worthy of hitting those targets, of making that. And I'm going to tell you, in that moment, a seed was planted and my ego got hooked and the driver was no longer, oh my gosh, I'm so blessed I get to help all these people. I would have told you that was still my motivation, right? Con- like in my conscious mind, I would have told you that was my motivation. But the fuel that drove me started to change. And so obviously I started to accelerate through those ranks and I made it through, you know, th- through the different levels. And what started to happen is every time we got together and we would have our coaching calls and we would have our live events and we would, have strategy meetings. It was always, the focus was always, everybody get up here and talk about how much money you're making. Show us your numbers. What are your profits? And so literally the conversation in my head from the moment I would get up to the moment I'd go to bed was numbers, numbers, numbers. How much money did we make today? How much money did we close? How much profit did we make? Are my people working hard enough? And we started adopting I started adopting as a leader, which meant my team started adopting because I passed it on. I started latching on to strategies and tactics, sales strategies, marketing strategies, sales tactics, copy processes, programs that were not fully in integrity for me. I didn't fully understand at the time. Okay. I want to be totally right up with you guys, but something in my spirit, something in my soul started to feel like, oh, I don't like this. Like something about this is off and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I just knew that I knew, like it wasn't me. And I remember when we started sending out these marketing messages and marketing emails and automation, because you know, that's what everybody teaches you, automated marketing. Hey, now we got AI, right? So AI is a whole other level. Uh, we we already had AI, but this is a whole other level of AI, writing for you, writing posts, writing emails, writing copy, So what happened is I basically started adopting someone else's strategies, tactics, even copy, because I was told this is the way, this is how you do it if you want to grow your business. Like this is how it's done. The top 1%, this is what they do. This is what you focus on. You focus on the numbers, profit, profit, profit. And all of my focus, all of, I would say 90% of my focus started going away from my team, really connecting with the humans. You know, I was still mentoring. I did a lot of in-house training for them, but underneath the current was always like, so that we can grow, so that we can be more profitable, so that we can have more locations. So that what, you know, what did I actually want that for? So I started, that was the season that began the inner civil war, the inner turmoil. Again, I had gotten out of the program of being driven by ego and false idols, money, people, status, a fake lifestyle. I had been radically humbled into this place of deep gratitude. And yet I got baited again, right? I got baited again because I surrounded myself. I got into rooms. I gave my the influence, the power to influence me to people that I started putting on pedestals, I started putting these leaders, these other business owners that would stand up in the room and they would, you know, tout their, you know, seven figure incomes or eight figure numbers and profit numbers. And, and I was just I started to idolize them. That's what idolatry is, right? You're putting someone else above God. And I started to idolize them. I started to want to copycat them. I started to feel worse about myself. Instead of feeling better when I got in the room with them, I felt worse about myself. I always felt like, what is wrong with me? Why am I not there yet? I started to get jealous. A spirit of jealousy started to come in. And while I like I really connected with these people, I was friends with them, I started to feel so inadequate, so ungrateful. I started to resent my team. I started to resent my business. I started to resent my clients. And I was living in the gap. Just like that, right? It feels like just like that, but it was subtle. It happened over time. I started to open doors and allow things to come in. I started to focus my gaze on the wrong things. Instead of being excited and in a heart of gratitude, I already mentioned, I started grumbling. I started complaining, complaining about my team, complaining about my clients, complaining about things. I invited, I started to entertain these things. I started looking for everything that was wrong instead of celebrating what was right. The driver for growth in the business where before was truly, my heart was truly leading. And I really was so excited just to serve and to be there, which created this beautiful multiplication. My heart started to be focused and chasing the wrong thing, growth. I would have told you that I was wanting to grow so that I could help more people. And there was some truth to that, but that was not the primary reason. The primary reason was I wanted to grow bigger. I wanted to have, buy the commercial property. I wanted to have the multiple locations. I wanted to do it. But the driver was me, I, ego. And so here's what happens, you guys. We stop, we stop operating from a place of gratitude. We start getting blinded. We entertain and we invite grumbling, comparison. Comparison is the thief of joy. You're looking sideways at someone else, how they're running their business. You have no clue what's going on inside their house, right? Later, I found out some of those people that I was idolizing, their marriages were crumbling on the backside, right? But I didn't know that because they weren't showing that part. They were just showing your numbers and showing their glory. The focus was about me, 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 my growth, my business, my money, my clients, my team. That is such a dangerous position. It's good in a sense that you have ownership and stewardship, but you get confused because you think everybody owes you something. You think your clients owe you something. You think your team owes you. You think now that you start to operate from this place of expectation and entitlement, and when we don't get what we want, we start really beating ourselves up, feeling like they are just living in the gap, and all of a sudden, anywhere that there was joy, Anywhere that there was gratitude, anywhere that we were truly operating from a place of love has been sucked right out. And now we're operating from greed. We're operating from jealousy and envy. We're operating from ego. So I want to say this to those of you that are listening right now, this is a humble message to receive because it's really hard to see ourselves there. And I would have been in full on denial if I would have asked myself this question back then. But you know what the telltale sign was? Friction, friction started to enter into the building. We bought a commercial property, right? We were growing. I put the down payment. We bought a new location. We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on building it out. We put, we started pumping money into ad campaigns. You know, we were pumping money into the community, doing community events like um, fundraisers. They were all good things on the outside, but on the inside, looking back, something was off. I was not fulfilled. I would go to bed anxious. I was waking up anxious. The first thing I thought about when I woke up was, oh my God, the clients, oh my God, the team, oh my God, money, right? Those were the top three things. I would wake up and look at my bank statements. I would dread opening my emails. I got to the point where that was the case and I felt like a hostage to my business. It was funny because this morning I was laying in bed and the alarm went off, or the alarm didn't go off, sorry. I don't have an alarm, but the the guys were outside beeping. There was some beeping because they were doing the snow clearing. So I got to get up earlier. It was about 530 and I was laying there. And the first thing that came to mind is, you know, I often say this every day is today is the day that the Lord has made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning, God. And I just lay in bed and I wake up with such a peace today. And I was laying in that bed and I was like, wow, I am so, I wake up rested now. I wake up at peace. I do not open my email for the first hour, a good hour, if not longer, when I wake up and I spend time with God. I spend time journaling. I spend time working on my spirit, my heart, my inner woman. And I wake up with a complete different sense of peace. I have a different relationship with numbers, which is what money is. Money is just numbers. So one of my coaches asked me recently, you know, are you a woman that God can trust with numbers or do they rule you? Are you afraid of numbers? Do they hold power over you? Or are you someone that can look at them, you know, make decisions, move things around, but your focus is on the right place. And I'm happy to say that today, you know, I really feel like I'm not fully, fully there, but I'm definitely on the other side. And it's the, the hold, the, the hold of anxiety. The hold of pressure, the hold of fear and being a hostage to money, to clients, to staff, to the economy is gone because I'm back in total dependence on God. And as a result, my business has increased again. Money is a byproduct of being in alignment, right? Prosperity, the blessings of the Lord make a man rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Let me say that again. The blessings of the Lord make a man rich and... He adds no sorrow to it. That means that there's profit, there's blessings, there's wealth without the strife, the anxiety and all of the stuff that goes with it. So I want to back, go back to the story. I realized something was massively off because all of a sudden here we are, brand new building, hundreds of thousand dollars in upgrades, all these programs to build our team and invest in them and train them, pouring money into the community. And guess what happens? Cash flow is sucking, right? It's like oxygen is pulled right out of the business. There's grumbling all of a sudden that starts to happen inside of our organization. We've got clients that all of a sudden, like where does this complaining come from? There's drama that enters inside the staff starts to turn on themselves. Some of the staff turned on me. I had employees leave and open a business right down the road, orchestrating with existing clients of mine to go take clients, move down the road, open their own facilities. People that I had invested years and years and years into. And even today I was on a discovery call with someone. And this is not the first time I hear this on a regular basis where leaders are going CEOs, owners, founders, whatever, are say, How could they do this to me? I have poured my heart and soul into these people. I have invested in them. I have paid their bills. The man I spoke to today said he even paid for one of his employees to go daughters to go to university. He, and they're like, Where's the gratitude? Where's the payback? Like, where how can they do this to me? And it is always the thing. We think that these people owe us something. We think that. We're, you know, they're entitled, or we're entitled to them doing us. But the reality is, the leader is there for the people. The people are not there for us. That we're there for the people. A king is there for his people. A queen is there for her people. So, if you're the leader of an organization, I want to ask you today: Are you looking at your people, your staff, maybe even your kids, your wife, your husband, everybody? And I use. Again, the parallels of home and business, because usually how you lead in one arena is how you lead in the other. Are you looking around and you think they all owe you something because you've been paying the bills, right? Well, I pay you, so you owe me. Guess what that is? That's called prostitution, okay? Um, we're wanting people. We're trying to buy people's love, buy people's affection. The level of influence, authority, uh, leadership, where people follow, you can't buy that. That's, you, you don't write a check and get people to do that. And again, I was speaking to this man and he said, I don't understand. I've been paying, paying, paying. I give them everything they want, trucks, cars, money. And like, I have no respect. Did you get that? I'm sitting here putting out, putting out, putting out, but I get no respect. we got a spirit of prostitution going on where we think we can buy people's Love by people's affection, by people's loyalty. We get a distorted view of stewardship. And now we think that those people owe me. And that is not love. That is not the kingdom pr- way of doing leadership. So as you look back and I look back over that season and I realized where it went sideways is I started thinking that the business owed me, the people owed me, the clients owed me. Right, I was entitled to, and I started to lose the love. When we are operating a business from kingdom principles, love is what we we'll are seek first. The kingdom and everything else will be added unto. And I want to say in that season where I was humbled and I was loving all my people, and I was so grateful. That was a season where I was seeking first the kingdom, because when you, and I wasn't about praying all the time. It wasn't about being in a religious. I wasn't going to church every weekend. I wasn't reading the Bible all the time. But my heart. I was in right relationship. I was grateful. I was l- leading from a place of love, patience, kindness, gratitude, self-control, right? steadfastness. Like that was the right place. And that's what when we say seek first the kingdom, are we seeking to serve, to love, to be patient with one another, right? The the people are actually the currency. God works through people. So as we start to shift our focus and we shift our focus back, getting our heart in the right things, doors start to open again. And it takes often a radical humbling to do that. For me, that was, again, the perfect storm of COVID 2020, uh, which is now four years ago, But I knew that i had known that I'd known that for years, probably three or four years, I was completely in turmoil. I was like, I got to get out of this business. I was resenting it. I could feel God calling me into something else. My soul wasn't there. My heart wasn't there anymore. But I was so indebted to the business that I had so much debt, so much overhead. Now I didn't know how to turn it around. I was just like, I was straddling these two worlds. And so I knew that it would... I knew something had to shift. I knew that what got me there wasn't going to get me into the next season. I knew I had to do things radically different. And I was ready. I truly was ready. And so right before COVID, I was already in negotiations to look at the sale of the business. And then from January to March, we went from being in negotiations to sell the business and the building and everything to having no business because we were shut down. And that was 10 months of total lockdowns. But those 10 months... Really provided me so much clarity, and I had to release I had to release my attachment to this brand new commercial property, hundreds of thousand dollars of upgrades, everything I thought we were gonna do. and so the cash flow really did dry up. you know there was some loans and things obviously you guys know to to help out, but that carried what like one month of operating cash flow, but it was during that season that I decided to say, okay, God, like Jesus, take the wheel. You know, like you're large and in charge. That was after my perfect storm of the breakdown. I had already started to lean in and I said, God, I want to do this your way. Start teaching me what it's like to get into alignment. What is the calling you have on my life? What do you want me to focus on? Where have I been out of integrity? Where have I been out of alignment? And really being courageous and faithful to start to release, release those things, release the attachment. Talk about a humbling experience again. You know, you just bought this building. You slap your face on the outside of the building. Like you've been in town for 10 years. You've, you've, everybody knows you. And then it was, again, another season of the humbling. And uh, in August of 2020, I released a video to all of my clients and my staff. And I said, you know, we're going to close the business down. It's been a beautiful journey. I, I released it with love. It took me time, right? I wanted to get to the place where I wasn't releasing uh, Angry, resentful, because you know I got screwed over. And COVID, you know, screwed me over. And people screwed me over and stole my clients. Like, I knew I cannot release from that place. And I want to say that to some of you get to the place where you want to burn everything down and start over. It might be in your marriage. It might be in your business. But if you just do it out of anger and you do it out of resentment and you go try to build something else, you're going to recreate the same exact thing because you did not fully release that thing. In love, in a powerful way, that's that, a powerful way that says, I have deep gratitude, deep appreciation for the last season. There was so much beauty. There was so much growth. There was so much hard earned wisdom. And I'm going to just release that and open up the space again for God to, to surprise me, to do something new. And I want to say that in 2020, when I closed the business down, you know, again, I had to liquidate, I liquidated all of our assets. I closed the doors and I could be resentful and angry and bitter about the fact that I lost, you know, you know, all that money and stuff. But I know that I was stepping into what God was doing in my life today. And he has given me back everything that I released, or in some people's views would have been lost. And he has multiplied it multiple times over again. And so as we come into the close The real shift was me letting go and saying, I'm not going to be ruled by ego, selfish desire, and I want to get into full alignment, full integrity. That's what fulfillment is. I feel fulfilled. I'm going to start to operate from peace. I refuse to operate from pressure. I refuse to be chasing profits and look at me. I have a eight figure business, but I actually have no happiness in my life or a seven figure business, but actually everything behind the scenes is a total gong show. I did not want to operate in that space anymore. And I made a covenant, a commitment with God that I was gonna be a woman that did it different in every arena of my life. I shared the relationship piece. He was already at work in that area of my life. We we did it with the health piece. I'm gonna talk about that in the next podcast. And he was starting to do it in business. And so what I did is I got to work, spending time, getting quiet. You need solitude. You need space. This is a blank canvas, you guys. So many of us are afraid to move, to release that building, to release that space, to release the old staff, to release the old, um, business model and restructure. But I believe that God is calling us to wake up. And once he wakes you up and your heart is open and you start leaning in and saying, God, I want to do this your way. I care to tell you, there's going to be a grand restructuring that has to take place because it requires a death of the old for the birth of the new. Now that doesn't mean your whole business has to go away, but it does mean that the way you lead your business is going to change the way you operate. Your operating systems is going to change. Your values are going to be upgraded. A lot of people are probably going to exit clients included people, client staff that is out of alignment and the right people are going to start to come in that. I call it the grand restructuring because he's doing a new thing. And if you're attached to what's going out the back door and you're grasping and you're clinging and you're crying, and you're freaking out. You are hindering the blessings that are going to come into your life. The quicker you can open those hands and say, God, thank you for that season. I release it. And I'm going to lean in and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to be okay in this space of the blank canvas. That What I mean by that is the unknown. You don't know yet right? Because he doesn't show you the full picture. And then he says, okay, now you can release it now that you have certainty. That's not what faith is. Faith is moving into the unseen with a heart that is really committed to the right thing. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute right now to subscribe and review. Your five-star review goes so far in getting this message into the ears and hearts of the people who need to receive it. Thank you again for being part of this conversation. Have a beautiful, blessed, and prosperous day.